Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. And my name is Bebe from Beijing. I'm originally from California in the U.S. and now I'm living in Wuhan, China. Yes. And what interesting topic do we have today? China is really big and America is really yep. big. They're two <laughs> of the largest countries in the world. Mm. I think Russia might actually take the uh, biggest country. Yeah, I yeah, think it's the largest. China and the U.S. are yeah. huge. And I wanted to talk about domestic mm. tourism. Okay. So... I've um I've seen some of your videos and also read your blog. It seems like um you've been to more places in China than I have. <laughs> you've been in China for like what ten years or so? Mm, about that, but yeah. Yeah, you've been on the move. I don't know. Like, I think you might win. I think all those years. I've just really? I'm, I'm really well documented, but I mm. think actually we've only been to a few provinces. We've been all over Beijing and uh, Shandong, mm. Shanghai, mm-hmm. and here in Wuhan, mm. and that's it. You know. Well, I mean, also yeah. we've been to Taipei and Hong Kong, mm. but uh, that's really that's it. I you know, there's a lot of places to see mm-hmm. in China. Um, like I'm not much of a traveler. I don't really travel for leisure a lot. Oh, really? Because because for me, I consider it like work. You know, I consider (laughs) traveling as things to just get, you know, I wait to suffer through this. (laughs) Not that it's not fun. Uh, I I think, I mean, there's a lot of fun parts about traveling, right? But you have to admit Mm. that some parts of it are just like plain hassle, like packing, right? And getting like documents ready, um, I mean, packing is a hassle packing, and then unpacking. Packing is yeah. fun. What? It's like, what am I going to take? What? Yeah, it's like I get to look at all my toys oh my and God. my clothes and I'm like, what What are my favorite things? Okay. Now, there are parts of travel that uh-huh. are not cool. You know, I really don't like being mm-hmm. on an airplane for like a few hours. I like and, and going through the whole boarding mm-hmm. process because you first you have to go and right. check in. Then you have to go through security one time mm-hmm. and then you have to go through security another time. And then you finally get to board the plane and then it's like, Okay, yeah. you're being told more rules about like you can't stand up and you have to stop your, <laughs> put your phone down. How dare you use all your phone? Right. We're all going to die because of your phone. So. Pressure, no pressure there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, I'm I'm, tr- I'm typically a calm traveler. I don't I don't have any freakouts or anything. Mm-hmm. But it's it's awkward and like it's a little, you know. I I'm very eager to get to the hotel. But once I'm at the hotel, you know, and like, mm-hmm. it's like, ah, we're checked in and I can just go to the pool or go to the museum or go to the beach or go wherever it is that whatever the reason was that mm-hmm. we made up so we could go there. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I find it, that's really fun. And also, a lot of fun. you know, for me, being at these postcard places, like these uh, sites, mm-hmm. um, somehow it, it's for me, it's like pretty much the same as I, if I look as if I just looked at the postcard. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, I, I feel like <laughs> I have to go all the way there. And a lot of times you have to get like a visa or other documents ready. And I'm like, you know, nervous about losing things and getting stuck at places and also all the booking, right? All the planning that have to go into traveling. So, I mean, I've been to places, but in most cases, they are. Um, like the, the planning part has been done by somebody else. Mm, mm. Either it's for work or it's, you know, family trips, but somebody else was really eager to go somewhere. I'm just like, okay, I will agree to go. <laughs> 
Well, let me ask you a question. You used to live in Boston, uh, right? No. And you occasionally... I lived in New York for two years at work. New York. Yeah. And you've, you've traveled back, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We come back every... When you, when you step off of mm-hmm. the airplane, what's, do you notice that there is a smell that smells like huh. New York? I mean, it feels like New York. I don't remember the smell, though. Well, I remember the smell of Beijing. You know, every season, Beijing has a particular... Beijing kind of smell. It's a mixture of all the trees and the landscape. And when I go, well, that sounds okay. When I, <laughs> when I go back to a place or I go somewhere for the first time, I get off the plane. I immediately notice that there's a, you know, an atmosphere that is provided by mm. the way that the light comes through the clouds, the way that it, the, the mm. elevation feels, the smell mm. of a particular town or a city, mm. or, or maybe, you know, for me, it's going back to San Francisco. You smell the ocean breeze. Ah, right, right. Mixed, mixed with all of the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Nice. <laughs> I'm just going to slip it in there. And then ah, that's, that's my town. That's my town. Ah, ocean breeze and trash. <laughs> Speaking of elevation, um, mm. because that's something like people don't always notice when you go mm. traveling. But it re- mm. reminded me of the time when we, it, it was like a work business trip mm. to Lanzhou. Um, mm. So it's of a higher, it's to the northwestern uh, part of um, uh, Beijing, mm-hmm. like um, uh, with a higher altitude. Mm-hmm. And I remember, so we got off the plane and, you know, on a bus, um, the whole team of us. And when we got off the bus and went outside, I was blinded mm. by the sunlight. Mm. I mean, usually we step outside, right? And that's just the sun. It's a bright day. It's got the, the sun is right there. But I remember at that, at a higher altitude, I, I like, I could barely keep my eyes open <laughs> for the first few seconds. Mm. It was mm. just so much brighter. And because people don't usually mention the elevation, uh, the altitude of something, right? Mm. Unless mm-hmm. you go to somewhere like really high, like Tibet. I've been there actually mm-hmm. for work mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. But I have to clarify, for me, like I worked um, at a radio station for about 10 years mm-hmm. and my business trip, quote unquote business trip, were fun trips. Mm. You know, it's the media traveling. You know, I wasn't really going there for um, conferences or meetings. Mm-hmm. For us, most of the times, um, it was to go somewhere interesting, mm. right? And then you will... You know, you go there, you have the local tastes of the local delicacies, mm-hmm. and you talk to uh, fun people. So it's not like your student tie business trip. I just wanted to clarify that. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I've been on some really fun bis- quote unquote business trips <laughs> across China. You know, where I really wanted to go with this topic is Mm -hmm. because China is so large and the U.S. is so large, a lot of people don't realize that Americans, you know, it's, it's, the statistics are really complicated. Mm. There is a small class of very privileged Americans with a lot of money who travel a lot outside of America. Mm. But actually, most Americans don't travel abroad very much. Two thirds of Americans have not left the United States and a much smaller percentage have left North America. Those mm. who do leave, they go to Canada or Mexico. So that there are, there are statistics that show, well, Americans spend a lot on traveling abroad, mm. but actually that's a small amount of people spending an enormous amount of money traveling abroad. Mm. Most Americans, they travel inside America. And the, the reason is 
it has everything. It has deserts. Mm, it has forests. True. It has mm. cities. It has mountains. The beach. It ha- yeah, it has beaches on both sides. And then you have mm-hmm. Alaska. You have nor- the Northern Lights, which is like electromagnetic radiation being like <laughs> da- dancing <laughs> well, around the uh, Van Allen healthy. radiation belt. Uh, well, I think it's okay. It's not like out of control. It's it's just it's not like beta radiation. It's well, like just light. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> but you know they have bears and and it's cold and you know they have every climate. I think they don't have rainforest but they have Mm. forest so like if you want to go to the grand canyon great you want to go to yosemite national park great Mm -hmm. you want to go see the the tallest tree in the world it's in california Mm -hmm. so like what i mean is if and also if you flip that over and Mm. you look at china china has rainforests and china has the gobi desert Mm -hmm. and china has mammoth cities and china has tons of coastline and hainan island Mm. and it has tibet where you can go to where the tallest mountain in the world is Mm -hmm. and so like both china and the u.s have so much to offer domestic tourists that's true so like we we are (laughs) self-sufficient yeah if 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 you're a chinese person you don't Okay, I don't feel like going to Europe. You don't have to. You can go to like a lot of places that look like Europe. Or I mean, <laughs> there's just Europe. so many. Yeah, you can go to fake Europe. <laughs> you know, there's this place called in Beijing, and I think they have one in Shenzhen. I think there are a few others there. It's called World Park. Have you heard of that? Oh, uh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I think I saw one of your videos covering yes, yes, World yes. Park in Beijing. I did not know that they had one here in Beijing. I, I've, mm. I've lived here for like what? over 10 years now i have mm. not heard of that place i did go to the one in shenzhen we can talk about mm, that later mm, but mm. so how did you discover that place the world um, park in beijing i went there many years ago with my wife and me and um a friend of ours from new zealand and a couple of ladies and we just went mm. there it was like oh, oh this is really cute and quaint and fun and i, I didn't go back for many many years but oh. um it's got, for the people who don't know, it's got everything. You have the Eiffel Tower there. <laughs> you have the, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. You have more and more, the Colosseum. So you don't actually, I mean, mm. obviously that's not what I meant by domestic tourism. But I mean, a lot of Chinese people travel abroad. Mm-hmm. A lot of Chi- American people travel abroad. But more Chinese people and more Americans travel inside their own countries. And mm-hmm. there's a ton to see. And yeah. I wanted to talk about it. I wanted, I was actually hoping you could teach me some of the places in China that are considered by Chinese folks, the coolest places The coolest to go. places? Well, the one I would think yeah. of was, uh, mm-hmm. is Guilin. Mm-hmm. What's in Guilin? Guilin, Shan Shui Jia Tian Xia. Wow. It's, um, <laughs> it, it's like the geography of that place is very unique. Um, you know, when we think of mountains or hills, mm-hmm. we think mm-hmm. of extensive areas where, you know, the hills, they, they go from low to high, right? There is a, there yeah, is a yeah. curve. But in Guilin, these, oh. <sighs> I think you call them hills, mm-hmm. but they just come out of the ground. Like they just shoot out oh, from the ground. Oh yeah, I know. And it goes straight up. It's like there are like straight angles. Mm. <laughs> you can't really climb them. Is this the same as and like so, a Jia Jie, the like the Avatar Mountains? Is that no, what it is? Like or near there? No, they're different. Like Jiangjia, those mm, are like mm. huge, tall mountains. Mm. These are smaller, and they kind of dot the landscape. The funny thing is, like the landscape, it's relatively flat. Like people farm. And then out of nowhere, these like small mountains shoots out from the ground. Uh, and I mean, they're like, they're, they're not bare rocks. These are green, mm, mm. straight up hills. Mm. So you have lots of these dotting the ground. Mm. And it's got a rather, you know, very rural feel of people farming and um, very, very green. Mm, I mm. went there. How long? It must have been over. Wow. 
Oh, let's see. Yes, I think I went there in the year of the Olympics.、Mm, 2008. And for, yeah, for another sort of like business trip, but it was fun. And we、um, went down on a bamboo raft、mm-hmm. of the Lijiang. I think, is that the river、mm. over there? Maybe I'm confusing with someone else. But I remember part of it. We were like drifting down the river, and the view is so mesmerizing. I felt like I, I've left the real world.、Mm. Like that wasn't real. Like I was just like, wow, <laughs> dazed by what I saw. I mean,、um, fl- we were floating down the river, and there were like hills on our left side. And then out of, out of nowhere came this patch of peach blossoms,、mm. like pink peach blossom against this green background of hills. And I literally I was staring at these trees. So are they real or are they fake?、Mm. Um, and then there are like cliffs on the, the other side. It was just out of,、um, it was like an out of this world kind of experience. Well, something I've never experienced before. I'm definitely going to have to see that. Well, I'm surprised you haven't been there. Most of the stuff that I like to go see. In China, at least, has been based around culture, cultural heritage sites, and historically significant sites. I like going to、uh, mm-hmm. Chufu. You know, Chufu Shendong. This is where.、Uh, I've heard of it. Confucius. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. Confucius's temple is there、mm. where he taught under like a plum tree,、mm. and it's still there. I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's the plum tree's grandson. grandson. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>、right. But it's the same place, and there's a plum tree there, and there's a,、mm-hmm. there's a temple complex. It's Beautiful.、Mm. And、uh, I, I went to Wudong Shan, Wudong Mountain, or might be, could also call it Wu Tang Mountain. <laughs>、oh. And that is a. That's where Kung Fu. For like a lot of temples. Yes, well, not Kung Fu, but Tai Chi Kung Fu、oh. comes from there. Sorry. Yeah. They, and they have a, like a, a. Sorry. They have the Tai Chi, because Kung Fu comes from all over China,、mm. but Tai Chi comes from there. But I, I didn't go there for the Tai Chi. I'm, you know, I'm not a very、uh, physical person.、Mm. I don't even like dancing.、Mm. But. I went there for all of the Taoism because there are just、mm. Taoist temples、mm-hmm. all over the mountain. And some of them are nearly、mm-hmm. like、2,000 years old. And so、mm. they're spectacular. They're absolutely beautiful. We've been to Chongqing.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Chengdu. Chongqing, both known for like spicy food. Pandas. And,、um, and the spicy hot pot. Yeah, though, that, that was a fun trip too. And the thing is, you know, when, when you see the hot pot,、mm. it's filled with chili pepper, right? Floating on top.、Mm. And you would think that that's not、mm-hmm. something you would ever try. You think you'd just like die on the spot. But actually, when we、mm. did try、mm. it, It wasn't as <laughs> spicy as we thought. I mean, we asked for the lowest. Set a record. <laughs> you know, grade. We weren't going for anything、uh, yeah, local. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, no, no, no. It was just like something on the mild side. And I mean, it was spicy, but it was like the numbing kind of spicy. It's, it's not there to like kill you, but it's there to slowly excite you that kind of way. And it was very, very tasty. You know, I remember watching a documentary about China years before I moved here. And one of the things they mentioned was、mm. the spicy food in Sichuan. The host of that show、mm-hmm. went all in and he ordered the like super hot,、mm. like super spicy, like bowl. Oh, and, yeah, no, no, when no. He, when he was like,、oh, I can't eat this. It's too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> and yogurt, yogurt, please. <laughs> yes, exactly. Actually, when you go to Heidi Lao and you order this really spicy stuff, they bring you yogurt. Here, Your yogurt, you didn't、right. even ask for. It. They're just like you're gonna need this.、Sir. They have, they have everything. They're they're really、mm. they're known for their services.、Mm. 
say I enjoyed going to Shanghai because mm. I'm I you know I like being in the city. Mm-hmm. I haven't really lived in the city center for years now, so mm. I mean I'm also used to quieter uh, places as it, as I get a little older. Mm-hmm. But still, I like the excitement mm-hmm. of uh, being in you know Shanghai city mm-hmm. center. It's just there's just a different kind of a vibe there, mm. you know. Everybody's going for something, mm. and um, and also it's a it's a mixture of the modern and also the old times. Because mm. if you travel into these older neighborhoods, um, you go through these narrow alleys, mm. and it's 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 very very lively. Mm. You know, you can look at them and think that oh, this is one of those old places that's probably going to be flattened for some high rise mm. uh, x many years later. But hopefully not, because I really enjoy the um, uh, this liveliness and this um, just the this atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not steel, it's not concrete, um, and it's not like technology. It's human flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, people have lived there for generations. Mm-hmm. There's a little shop there that's you know they will start making. Uh, soup-filled buns, uh, th- starting three in the morning, mm-hmm. and you see the smoke and steam coming up from that shop, and maybe another shop there. They've been making some kind of uh, pastry for for decades, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. know from this fam- family shop, and also in some of the alleys, you can still see people hanging laundry outside, and that's you know you don't get to see that a lot back in the states. You know, I feel like. Your description is almost how I feel about Beijing, except for the uh, soup dumpling parts. Mm. Everything you said, because I love the hutongs of Beijing right. and all, you know, right. all of the old people like, you know, the, the shared bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is strange, but it's actually very, very beautiful. Like all mm. of these very narrow alleys with, with this old homes that are decades old mm-hmm. and people have lived there for centuries and centuries, millennia, really. Mm. And like, I hope they don't get flattened too. I hope that there is a very strong conservation effort to make right. sure that the Hutongs are there in a mm-hmm. hundred years because it's it's so romantic, not in like the you know love right. between man and woman way, but in that that just oh it's that it's human so, like, touch living, going somewhere else, yeah, yeah. And because whenever I think of it, you know, I think about people chatting. There's always a background sound of people talking to each other mm. rather than um, in these fancy office buildings where everything is nice and expensive. But mm. like, there's no well, natural has that sound. Too. Yeah, that's true. Um, and then you, you know, in those parts of Shanghai, it's also nice. Everything's like spanking clean mm. and uh, coffee shops everywhere, very convenient. But in these older alleys, I, I just feel that's what life means to me, mm. you know, being alive. And um, maybe for some families, they've lived at this place for several generations. Mm-hmm. And there are stories behind each of these windows, and especially with the glow of, um, you know, the the light these, with the orange tinge to it. It's just so much warmth. This is what family means. This is what neighborhood means. This is what, you know, being alive means. Instead of um, on the other side, maybe across uh, this district or that, it's the fancy new office buildings where the lights never go off, right? Elevators up, elevators down, and everybody in suits and tie. It's a different feel. Mm-hmm. Um, both, I mean, it's not good and bad. But I think deep in my heart, I, I have a fondness for, you know, the old style, mm-hmm. these alleys and, and traditions and just, ah, life. 
you know, people's being humans, interactions, and just uh, steam coming off from the buns in the wintertime, warmth, <laughs> and all that. It, you know, it's the exact opposite of what I imagine Shenzhen might be like, because Shenzhen essentially is all new. I mean, mm. it was a small fishing town like in 1970, but apparently, you know, it's what, 20 million people live there now, mm. but everything is new. Mm -hmm. So there's not this place where there's like old alleys, old, uh, old alleys where families have been living maybe with grudges, maybe with love <laughs> exactly. for, for generations. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I, I, I wonder, like, I think it'd be too modern to live there for me personally. Anyway, mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of people who love the super modern lifestyle are like, Oh my gosh, Shenzhen is yeah, so great. Everything is new. <laughs> mm, young people, convenient opportunities. Yeah. yeah. But I guess at a certain age, you're not really looking for that anymore. Mm. So, I mean, it depends. But, you know, for people with different needs and tastes, there is a city for you somewhere, <laughs> right, here in China. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's another place. And I think Yunnan would be a great place to visit. Mm -hmm. um, I've Have I been there? Yes, I, I've been to Lijiang. Now I remember. I went there also. That was the year of the Olympics. Mm -hmm. It was on, it was for a, also kind of a business trip. But it was a fun business trip. And so Lijiang, that's the old town. Where, you know, all these houses, there's still wooden houses. And some are so old that the houses are, you know, they're like tilting. <laughs> but, they've, <laughs> but they've been tilting for decades. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> um, and now, I mean, it's turned into more of a touristy town. But the people there, some of them, mm. they've been living there for, for generations. So there is still authenticity to that. It's not like a made well, up yeah. uh, touristy town. And I remember it was so beautiful. Like you would, um, inside the town, there would be these wooden houses and streams, just like little rivers, very, very clean, and trees on both sides. And, you know, people would be washing their vegetables there. Um, and there are, you know, ladies where they're wearing their traditional dresses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember one picture I took. I'm no photographer. I just, you know, I just hold up the camera or the cell phone and snap. At that time, I think I had a camera still. And I remember the pictures came out perfect. Mm. <laughs> and it wasn't because of my <laughs> vision or skills, it, because it was just beautiful, like no matter how you take it. Um, and then not far from there, there was the Xueshan, like the um, uh, snow capped mountains. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, this, I mean, it, it's got natural scenery and culture, uh, combined. So that's somewhere, you know, you guys can go. Um, well, my wife has future. actually been to Yunnan and she says mm. it's beautiful and she's insisting, mm -hmm. you know, we were planning on doing a lot more domestic travel starting around 2019. However, well, there was a, yeah. there was a period of time where that was not easy to do. It would happen to mm -hmm. coincide when we were going to go and travel around China quite a bit mm. more. Um, you know, mm. you, you brought up Shanghai. I think that's really interesting is from an American perspective, you know, Disneyland growing up, there was a movie. It was called National Lampoon's Vacation. What? And it's about this. this Nat. It's a movie. Yeah, with Chevy really? Chase and his and it's oh. like a, his imaginary family. Well, his real family. You know, actors. Mm -hmm. And they were traveling across America to go to somewhere called Wally World, which is made up because they couldn't use the word Disneyland oh, <laughs> for law, okay. lawsuit reasons. Wally right? World. So, 
Yeah. So uh, mm. in America, going to Disneyland, one of what they call the parks mm-hmm. is like almost a religious pyramid, like pilgrimage, you know, like people are like, oh, mm-hmm. we need to go to Disneyland at least one time. So a lot right. of people from the Midwest or wherever they go, they find their way to Florida or California mm-hmm. and they go to either Disney World or Disneyland. What I found interesting after having moved to China, because I've been to Disneyland, I'm from California, I've been there a couple of times mm-hmm. and uh, I was OK. They have a park now. Mm. in china i mean i've been mm-hmm. to one in hong kong too and that's you know it's a little it smaller disappointing. It, Can it I just is a say? little smaller yeah i felt that yeah. way too but they're expanding it now apparently but mm-hmm. i went to the one in Sh- shanghai shanghai mm-hmm. and it is just very much like the one in california it's huge it's it's exciting there were families there all the little girls there are dressed like elsa so you every time you t- every time you're walking around and you're like you turn a corner and suddenly there's another elsa another elsa you, you walk tw- you walk 20 meters and you tr- there's another elsa a family with an elsa they're everywhere right. and they're shot there's these beautiful shops and it's very much almost the exact same experience but one i one thing maybe i haven't been to the one in california in a while but there's Mm. one thing that i found really interesting about the shanghai park is when i went out a special exit from -hmm. the middle of the park there was like it's inside outside of the park it's like Mm -hmm. not technically in the park there are all these like gucci and prada and all these big brand stores there and they're just Mm -hmm. rows of them and rows of them it goes on forever and all these super expensive restaurants that are like michelin style restaurant but you go inside and everything's like disney themed it's like gucci Minnie mouse bag so i got obviously i got my wife out of there very fast (laughs) back (laughs) into back into the main part of the park oh yes oh no no, we, we shouldn't be here. This is not really in the park, babe. Let's go back. <laughs> I didn't know that. Maybe it's just a hidden, you know, alley for the super rich. I don't know. That that sounds like fun, well, now though. That they ha- what do they have yeah. in Beijing that, that just opened? They have uh, Universal Studios. Oh, Universal Studios. Yeah, I've been to the real one. Um, I, I, yeah, was that? An, I think that was back in high school. Mm. It was kind of fun. I mean, it was one of those plant trips, you know, planned by somebody else. I just kind of went along. Mm. Um, so it was a lot of fun. But I've not been to um, Disneyland mm. in the U.S. Mm. Mm. One time, I almost went. And this is how um, reluctant I'm, I am to travel. So back in that, I think I was in college or what, in high school, I don't remember. My cousin, um, she was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was, you know, every girl's dream to go to Disneyland. Mm. And and also that would be something to talk about, right? Mm. After the holidays. Oh, where did you go? Oh, I went to Disneyland. Everybody else was like, ah, wow. So she wanted that. And so we, you know, so, okay, you know, let's go. And they booked the tickets and um, the hotels, everything. But when we got to the airport, I remember waiting and waiting and like things were not working out. I think they overbooked flights or something like that. It was all very confusing. And so we ended up having to to give it up. They just didn't have the seats. And um and I was like secretly happy. <laughs> I was like, "Yay, I can go back home now." <laughs> so like I, I did not tell my cousin that. <laughs> I I pretended to be really sorry. <laughs> um so I, you know that's as close as I got to the Disneyland mm-hmm. in the US. Mm-hmm. But I you know I, I have a daughter, so I think someday in the future um, I was uh, just thinking the other day that, you know, it's probably won't be too long um, until I have to take her to Disneyland. First of all, in Shanghai, it's closer. And then in the future, of course, uh, in the States, too. 
So, you know, it's it's been quiet on the traveling front for at least the past two years. Because prior to that, we would travel at least once mm-hmm. um, a year, at mm-hmm. least uh, abroad somewhere. Um, domestically, a little bit, not too much, because domest- domestically, we reserve the holidays for visiting mm-hmm. grandparents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something, you know, we, we just feel like, you know, um, we should Does that do. mean coming to Wuhan? Uh, no, my daughter's uh, grandparents on her dad's side, they're in northwestern mm. part of China. So we've been going mm. dutifully, like at least once or twice a year. You know, the golden mm-hmm. week in October, right? The yeah, Independence yeah. Uh, Day holiday. And then New Year's, usually, unless something like, you know, uh, the pandemic strikes that will stop people from going back home. Um, so these, I mean, these past two years have been unique. Um, and hopefully in the next year or so, see if things can get better. Cause I feel like it's, it's time to, for my daughter to travel a little mm-hmm. bit. So, you know, we'll start to travel again. And you know what? You bring up a good point. As long as we're talking about domestic travel, the greatest mm-hmm. migration on earth that happens every year is Chinese mm-hmm. New Year, where yep. like a billion people travel across China all over <laughs> to go to the back to their grandparents or where their mom and dad live. And everyone and like mm-hmm. Beijing becomes like, I wouldn't say empty, but emptier. Yeah. It goes from 21 million people to 10 million people. And it's it's lovely. That's like the only time of the year mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Beijing is not congested. <laughs> like you can actually go places when you turn on the apps for you know the map or uh, the other things what you know dd mm-hmm, when you mm-hmm. order uh, when you it's like you uber right mm-hmm. in the states that's like the only period uh in the in the year plus the golden week holiday where you see green lines mm-hmm. instead of red ones mm-hmm. <laughs> especially if you go in you know inner there's city. a little bit of that in the united states around maybe thanksgiving or christmas time where people go back to their relatives but mm-hmm. it's not even remotely close to the scale that is in china where it's just like every, if you don't book your train mm-hmm. for you know typically chinese new year happens out at the end of january or february if you don't book your train by the end of december right. you might not get a train because every car is booked yep. every airplane is booked and <laughs> c- the cars are you know the freeways you see the footage during chinese new year of it just rammed mm. people trying to get from one place to another so uh, we've seen some interesting photos of people spending trying to kill uh, time on the highways <laughs> you know there were people who actually set up like barbecue stands on the side wow. of the highway <laughs> or like s- spread out their mahjong table uh, or, you know, taking out the poker uh, cards and everything, because sometimes they get stuck for hours, um, hopefully not longer than that. So it's I think it's, you know, people kind of um, emotionally or psychologically get ready for mm. that during those special weeks mm. um, of the year. Yeah, it gets a bit congested. <laughs> Really briefly, before we come back to China, I was I was wondering if you could tell me for the context for international tourism, like when Chinese people think I want to go to another country and I want to see somewhere, what are the top sites? What are the top like countries? Or what do they think? Oh, this is going to really put a, a dent in my, we, my mm. WeChat thumbs ups. <laughs> hmm. I think uh, 
And for people who have not been to the States, the U.S. has a, probably has the strongest draw, mm. um, especially for, you know, younger people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somewhere closer, Japan and Korea. Mm-hmm. I mean, Japan is known for its good, like amazing services. Mm. And also stationary <laughs> for people who are, you know, addicted to stationaries. Um, and then Korea mm-hmm. um, for its, you know, food. And some people, they go there for, I don't know, like cosmetics, surgery, uh. or um, these facial products. But food, like Korean food is, mm-hmm. uh, is a big draw. Mm, and then Europe, you mm-hmm. know, for the culture mm-hmm. and the arts, um, mm-hmm. history. But among these, I think uh, Europe is probably the most expensive mm-hmm. one, most expensive choice. Mm. And Japan is on the pricier side, but then it's closer. Mm-hmm. So you don't spend as much on plane tickets and hotel is not really crazy. I mean, it's reasonable. Mm-hmm. So these are some really popular sites. But I, I have to say in recent years, um, Australia and also New Zealand mm, are becoming mm. more and more popular. I think New Zealand um, because is becoming popular just for everyone in the whole world. It's like, oh, you think so? Yeah, I mean, America. Oh. I think when I was a kid, you, people would say New Zealand. People, what's that? Now it's like everyone <laughs> seems to want to go to New Zealand. Yeah, we went two years ago. I think the we went. Uh, it was doing Chinese New Year's. See, that's a popular, um, Australia and New Zealand, they're popular destinations for New Year's time, mm. Chinese New Year, because there's no, you won't have a jet lag, mm. right? There's no, not really a time right. difference. And the weather is nice and warm. Um, so, and they're known for their, a lot of their great products, you know, dairy products mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. other things. Um, I think sometimes, um, you know, people outside China might be amazed at how international um China actually is mm-hmm. in the sense that we have a lot of imports. Mm-hmm. You know, we are a huge importer because here's something different. Back in the States, the things we used were either domestically made or maybe we have cars from um Japan mm-hmm. and Germany. And then we have these cheaper products from China, mm. right? Little gadgets or uh, clothing and stuff. And then that's pretty much it, right? I mean, nowadays you have maybe clothes made in, you know, in Bangladesh or Thailand. It's branching out mm-hmm. and moving to um, other developing countries. But in general, like you don't use a lot of things from, let's say, New Zealand mm. or Australia mm. or European countries. But here in China, people use products from all over the world mm-hmm. like especially um for young moms like young moms who, whose kid like whose um kids are from zero to three years old they are crazy shoppers you know they will um glean the whole internet for for the best products for their babies mm. you know within their price range so you know it's not uncommon for parents um, for moms to be using goat milk soap, let's say, from New Zealand mm, for their babies. Mm. And then another, some washing powder from this North European country. Mm. And, and then their strollers might be from, what, like Finland or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like they, they will search the whole world for you know, the best products mm-hmm. uh, within their budget for their kids. And that's something 
um, not easily done in the in the states, not as easily done. Mm. I know we have Amazon or eBay, but it doesn't cover as much ground. You know what I mean? And also, shipping would be a huge issue. Like this thing might only cost fifty dollars, but if you add in shipping, it's like whoa, a hundred. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but China, because it's got such a huge consumers market, um, shipping fees can you know can be brought down. It can so you don't have to pay as much. There are much. more ways to ship things to China now with the Belt and Road. There are like the exactly. logistics infrastructure is better for the mainland for China and right. the, what they call I think the global island than it is for North mm. North America where everything just has to be brought in by ships. S- speaking of which, I remember uh, reading in the news that China um like the first batch of uh, pine nut Pine cone nuts, you know those yeah, seeds yeah. from pine yeah. trees. Yeah, um, I don't remember the exact tonnage, like how many tons, but um, they it was the first batch from Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. That's their one of their local specialties, mm. um, and like they sold it easily in the Chinese market. And I think those were shipped uh, maybe along one of those uh, uh, freight trains. Is that mm. how you say it? They just carry mm-hmm. these things, uh, you know, from other countries. Freight trains, exactly. So, I mean, with the especially with the Belt and Road, um, we we are seeing more products from other countries, and I guess vice versa. They're probably seeing more products from I China want some too. Pine nuts, because you know you need pine nuts to make pesto, and pesto is delicious. Ooh, nice. See, <laughs> um, but I, we never thought about eating pine nuts from Afghanistan, <laughs> right? But now you know there are more possibilities, and it helps the local farmers there too. Uh, with what they've been through, you know, it's uh, it's one more um, way of making money. So you see, works both ways. One of ways. the things that China really excels at, in my opinion, is the logistics infrastructure. Mm. So, like, just let's say just for travel, because that's our topic today. You can take a plane, you can mm-hmm. take the fast train, you could take the slow train, or if you want, a lot more people seem increasingly to just drive for fun. Mm. I have a friend from Hong Kong who's been living in Beijing for I don't know how long, twenty years. Mm-hmm. And last year or the year before, he no, I guess it was two thousand eighteen. He and his some of his friends and family they got two or three cars and they just went like driving across China and they mm. stopped at all kinds of locations and places mm-hmm. and they i think he took his dog with him hmm. so like <laughs> even this really big dog that he has mm-hmm. uh they all they all just tour across china on cars which is you know i think a lot of people in america they also like to drive so mm-hmm. you have the idea of the rv right but also people just get in their cars and they're like okay let's go route 66 they don't really have the train infrastructure mm-hmm. unless you want to take the, the really slow amtrak but some people fly <laughs> really but slow. most people it seems who <laughs> most people who fly it seems like that's mostly for business not as much travel or like you're just going to see your family and go back Mm. but if you're really traveling in quotes domestically in america people drive they take a van they take an rv they they want to see the the landscape as they arrive there you go to vegas from la Mm. you're not gonna fly you're going to take a car right i mean it's um china has the population um to support the transportation system because it's just immensely costly right it's mm, it's mm, hard mm. i know that the us is trying to do the same thing but i think it's much much harder to implement there in the us than mm. here i mean here the central government is willing to spend that much money mm. i mean it's not just for building the infrastructure it's also for creating jobs 
right? If let's say uh, it's a downside on the economic circle, mm-hmm. uh, on the economic cycle. And then, you know, somebody's got to do something to create the jobs. And you can't rely on just the private industry to provide that. So, I mean, with um, I think the world now is talking a lot about uh, infrastructure in China. But that's actually been going on for decades. You know, they've been doing the hard work for decades. It's now that it's it's been mm. people see that, wow, that they've really done something. Yeah, but it's actually it going impressive. on. Yeah, pretty impressive. I want to talk about something really interesting. Sure. When I was in high school in California, they were talking about building high-speed rail. At that time, I think it was mostly in Japan. Mm. This is a long time ago, by the way. I'm a little bit older. But I wrote this report for like senior year in high school about how there was going to be a high-speed rail train mm. that would go from Los Angeles to San Francisco and Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And this was, I don't know two more a little more than two decades ago and i was like oh wow this is so exciting high speed rail <laughs> it has been 20 something years since then and there is no high speed rail and they keep talking about it every year it's just like oh here's the new plan oh here's the new plan oh here's the new plan mm. but they don't they there's no high speed rail and it's been Two decades in China, they have managed to build, I don't know how many thousands of miles mm. of high-speed rail all over the country, connecting every major city, yeah. even all the way to Tibet. Mm-hmm. Like Everywhere across China, mm. there is high-speed rail. And if you don't want to, I mean, I actually prefer to take the train. I was going to say, if you don't want to take a plane, you could take the train. But actually, it's more like if you don't want to take the train, you could take a plane. Exactly. And China is still building like more airports mm. than any other country in the world each year. So the logistic infrastructure is unfathomably easy to access and complicated. And there's just layers of it. Right. I really appreciate the high speed rail. I mean, I don't like to fly. I like to stay on the ground. Thank you. (laughs) I know it's faster, but there's always the hassle of driving to the airports. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. just, it makes me a little bit nervous. I'm not like too worried. Um, But if I can stay on the ground, I prefer to stay on the ground. And the high-speed rail, they're very, it's very easy. I mean, connections, transfers is also, you know, pretty convenient. Um, and it feels very safe. This is, it has to be a national project. Because I think some people, a lot of people don't understand. Um, you know, if you think about this from a purely business perspective, right? Because I think overall, uh, if you look at the, the, the numbers, uh, I think high-speed rail is not really making money probably on the whole, is still draining mm. money. Right? It's like, uh, immensely expensive to mm. build. And uh, you, you can't, the tickets can't be too high, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the purpose um, for building that is not to make money. If it's left to private enterprises, this thing will never be mm. built. Because, um, you know, maybe certain lines will make a profit, right? People going between Mm, Beijing and mm, Shanghai mm, or the coastal mm. cities, these lines will make profit. But there are other segments that will never, probably never make money. You know, in Western, Western parts of China, also connecting, you know, townships. Uh, and then villages, they will never, you know, they will never recover the money for that. But, this is part of the um part of the uh, mm-hmm, poverty mm-hmm. alleviation project, right? In Chinese, there's a saying that 
um, if you want to become rich, build a road first. It sounds, it rhymes better. I heard that recently. My wife said that when we arrived in Wudongshan. Uh -huh. We arrived in Wudongshan. We were taking a cab to our lodging and I was like, whoa, the roads here in uh -huh. this really tiny town are so nice. Mm. And she said that same thing to me. Yeah. So I, yeah, I guess that's really true of China. They're just building not just, not just the high speed rail and not just the airports right. and not just the Phoenix airport in Beijing, but like the, the, it's like the trains, it's the roads, it's the freeways. Everything is really top notch at every in every location. You go to a small town, you go to a big town, right? You know, a big city, everywhere. Like because you don't want to leave people behind mm, just mm, because they were born mm, in a remote mm. place, right? That's why a lot of times people they um they they don't understand how the you know the Chinese economy still has a significant state-owned part mm, mm. right that's always kind of under the attack mm. right it's not there's not uh it's not completely market-based um you know it's not completely free mm -hmm. market mm -hmm. economy but then for projects like this mm -hmm. the national you know the highway rail uh, system which tell me which private company enterprise is willing to you know put in the money mm -hmm. for this mm -hmm. Right. It will take decades uh, to recover your uh, your investment, if ever. So if you stand on the point of um, if your only goal is to make money, a lot of these things uh, that have been um, achieved in China will never mm -hmm. be done. Mm -hmm. You can't rely on um, private enterprises to do that. You have to rely on the on the mm -hmm. state. You know, the countries, the government is willing to put in the money to get things started. Mm -hmm. Right. You build the road and then people, let's say the place you went, if it's, you know, without that road, you probably would not choose to go there. You know, you don't want to ride on a donkey cart, <laughs> right, on a bumpy road <laughs> to to go to this place. Um, I remember my one of my uncles, um, his husband of my youngest uh, aunt. When I was little, the first time um, they were just married, and uh, they went back to visit. He went back to visit his family in the mountains um, over uh, the spring vacation. Mm -hmm. And when he came back to Wuhan, I mean, he literally looked like, they said he looked like a bandit <laughs> <laughs> because he was covered in dirt and he had these bags of local uh, goods that he brought back, like uh, smoked meat, mm -hmm. um, like dried mushrooms, you know, his parents that insisted that he take, you know, from home, <laughs> but he hadn't really showered for a week because he spent... I mean, if the entire holiday was only like 10 days, he spent like four or five on the road. Mm -hmm. He had to get on a bus to go to the train station. And when he got over the train station, he has to take on the bus on the other end to go to like, the, you know, the township. And then he has to hire a, like a private cart or something um, to go on the, the like dirt road to mm -hmm. connecting to his house, literally in the mountains. But now it's like, you know, high speed rail. Right, it goes straight to the township, and then it's uh, you, you take a cab or a bus, and you, know, you do it in you know in within the day. Mm -hmm. It's it's dramatically different. So you need to start. If you want business opportunities, you want to be able to sell your smoked meat or mushroom. You need the road first. You mm -hmm. know that's how commerce can can start. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. if if the government is well not willing to uh, put in the money, who else do you think would do that? Right, and even if they do it. Um, they won't want to make the money back. And the villagers, they're not going to, they've never paid for the road before. They're not mm. going to pay for it now, right? <laughs> if you want to charge me every time I walk on this thing, you know, better not build it because, <laughs> you know, their money didn't come from trees. Um, so it has to be, you know, government 
uh, investment and you know done by the state owned mm-hmm. enterprises um so you have to when you think about a lot of these projects especially things like belt and road if you only have dollar signs in your mind this thing wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. to you and if you only worry about your um what do you call it like your numbers bottom line in the next uh, quarter or the quarter after nothing none of this will make sense mm, to you mm, mm. but with a chinese uh, mind especially you know uh ch- the the minds of chinese top mm-hmm. leadership they they look far mm. into the future you know when they plan for things it's not just this uh, this year that year the, the i think that they start with five years and they when they make plans it's not just for this generation is for the next generation. It's for the grandkids. And then and then the future after that. It's like we are more used to this kind mm-hmm. of thinking rather than thinking about the next quarter. So I think for you know for um foreign media or you know foreigners to mm-hmm. understand China, that's something rather fundamental. You have to switch your mm, mindset a little bit. You know, if you judge with a short-term um uh, mission that you might think this doesn't work. But if you take a longer time view, then things will start to make sense. Mm. So am I digressing too far? No, I, actually, <laughs> I think the same thing. I was thinking about recently, um, the US Congress passed a $1 trillion infrastructure bill to rebuild Amtrak and develop some other, ba- rebuild a lot of bridges. Now, I think Biden's, Biden's mm. uh, thing is build back better, but actually they're not. If it, really, they're just mm. building kind of back a little bit. And, you know, the amount of mm. money that has been spent in China building just high-speed rail, if you just take that on its own, is so much mm. more than this uh, mm-hmm. attempt by the U.S. to, like, sort of put a Band-Aid on their infrastructure. Like, the United, States, the United States pretends that it wants to compete with China, but it doesn't have the kind of infrastructure mm. for the future that's necessary to be competitive economically. It doesn't have the capability. Right. Like, okay, say... I want to make a shirt or I want to make, I want to make a product in China. I need to move things around. So the things to make mm. one product might not be in one place. In order to do that, you need to be mm. able to move things around right. very easily. And in the U S mm-hmm. you know, most things are moved by slow train or big trucks within the, mm. you know, the continental U S. So that's just not competitive in, in the future. I mean, not even now, really. See what China has achieved when it comes to its infrastructure. That's the work, the planning and work of the past few decades. You know, it's not like uh, this one administration thinks this is important and we're really going to focus on this now. And the next four years or eight years, we're going to do this. You know, in the next four or eight years, you might start the project, right? (laughs) First of all, you have to get consensus, right? And then the money has to be in place. And so it's, it, it ha- it's a, it's a project that's much, spans much longer term and it requires the consensus, not just of now, but of the previous administration and future administrations, right? This is mm-hmm. something, no, cause you know about China's uh, five year plans, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're on to, I think it was the 14th. Mm-hmm. So ever since, you know, how many X years ago, 60 years ago or so, there's, I- imagine a person, uh, having a goal, right? A long-term mm-hmm. goal. And you say, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. you know, achieve this kind of, um, living standard and that kind of, um, uh, spiritual fulfillment, right? In a certain years. And then mm-hmm. this person and his child and his f- whole family and then his grandchildren, they all go in that direction. They all work for that mm-hmm. vision. 
and you make your plan. Oh, this is my plan for the next five years. And then at the five-year point, you review what you've done in the past mm-hmm. five years. You correct your mm-hmm. mistakes and, um, and you improve upon that. And then you make an- another mm-hmm. plan and you work according to that. Not everything has to be exact, right? But you, you follow the direction you set for yourself. And then every five years, you know, you make a plan like that and you stick to it. And what you see in China is five years after five years after five years of dedication, Mm -hmm. of perseverance, of going in the same direction, of, you know, offering better lives for every citizen, not just a privileged few Mm -hmm. at the top. So um, now I think the world is recognizing, oh, you know, China has done a lot. Yeah, but that's the work of past few decades, mm-hmm. you know, accumulated of hard work. Maybe when they were doing this, nobody was noticing or people were pointing fingers as saying, no, this project isn't doesn't make sense or that doesn't make money from a free market perspective. Um, but if you look back, you know, and you see the whole thing as a whole project with very persistent and consistent mm-hmm. guidelines, things will start to make sense. Well, in terms of... Tr- Sorry, I'm talking too much. No, no, that, that was that was really, I hope a lot of people were really <laughs> digesting and listening to what you have to say. We only have a very short period of time. So I want to veer back a little bit to uh, mm. travel. I wanted to mention something interesting. I grew up near the Sierra Nevada mountains. Sure. And originally when I was very young in a city called mm. Modesto. And uh, we would drive nice. up to the Sierra Nevadas and camp there and hang out. And it's pretty much all natural except for you know some local communities mostly living in like trailer trailer like situations but it, it's mm-hmm. all just like you know the way that it was made by nature to some extent mm-hmm. one of the things and, and that's beautiful and i really loved it i still do and i'd love to go back there but one of the things i really mm-hmm. like about china is they have all these famous mountains you know there's five famous taoist mountains and the five famous buddhist mountains and there are all these beautiful mm-hmm. mountains all over all over china but one of the things i really like about them is they're covered in thousands of years of history. So you go up there and mm. the Buddhist temples and Taoist temples, and there are all of these features that have been adjusted every few hundreds of years by people where there's mm. like all kinds of amazing wells. And it's just, mm. it's, it's got its own charm. And as an American, right. I think it might even be more charming for me than mm. for Chinese folks, because we look at all of this Chinese architecture and, and, and the history and we're like, oh, wow, it's so beautiful. So mesmerizing because mm-hmm. it's so foreign. So I mm. get to come here and really travel around to these places. And I'm like, wow, this is like being in a <laughs> book, you know, it's, it's right. like, being inside of a Wikipedia page and I'm walking around. It's so, really so beautiful. That's true. There are a lot of amazing places to see in the U.S. and in China. And I hope that both mm-hmm. peoples, just like we're forming a bridge here, you and I, I hope that a lot of American people can come to China and see how the yes. beauty here. And I hope a lot of Chinese people can go to America, see the beauty there. And we can continue to build these friendships across the Pacific. Well said. And I want to just add that, you know, despite what you see in the news, the people on both sides are really friendly <laughs> people in china they're very friendly very and friendly, actually yes. very open um you know open to new things and the same is in the in the states the people are as friendly as they come so yeah you know hopefully um when the pandemic is over uh, more travel can more traveling can take place um mm. for you and me and everybody else listening so thank you guys thank you for spending the time thank with you, us baby. oh thank you and we'll see you next Bye-bye. time Bye-bye. Bye-bye.